Welcome to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast. This week, Matt and I are joined by the one and only Coon Dog, one of the funniest guys I've ever chatted with about hunting. And today, Coon helps us answer a listener-submitted question about introducing young people to hunting. So this is a really important episode. It's a topic that I think all of us should be thinking about and hopefully trying to, you know, trying to actually take action on. So I'm definitely thinking about this myself. Hope you enjoy it. And good luck in the woods next time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon with Wired to Hunt. I've got two great guys here in the day. Hey, Madjury. Thank you. <laughs> and the one and only Coon Dog. Yeah, baby. How you doing? We'd say your full name, but I know you prefer to go by Coon Dog. That's right. One time you said you would prefer to change your actual birth certificate. To that. To that, if you could. Definitely. And a birth date to May 5th. Sacred to mile. <laughs> yeah, because right now it's the 4th. Yeah, right? I missed it by one day. <laughs> but I was close. That's pretty good. So so <laughs> why? how did you get your name, Coondog? I don't even know if I know this. Oh, way back in the day with Stevie Stoltz and Terry when they came up turkey hunting. It just started, you know, Coon. This is my last name, and next thing you know, they just started throwing things around, and next thing you know, Stevie Stoltz started saying, Coon Doggy Dog. Coon and Doggy Dog. And history was made. Coon Dog is now a legend. Yeah, I'd say so. And we, if for no other reason than the past two podcasts you joined <laughs> us for were an absolute blast. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's we've, right. Had, we've had uh, requests to get you back on ah, nice. and talking. <laughs> Uh, because me and Matt are kind of dull, but you yeah. bring some life to the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's the life of the party everywhere we go. I imagine. Try to be. So tonight, and this is, you know, obviously we film, we film these ahead of time. So mm-hmm. when you're, you guys at home are listening to this or watching it, this this is a couple weeks probably after we film this. But tonight on the Outdoor Channel, your episode of your 205 is going to air on Dream Season right after Mark and Taylor's episode of 13, where they killed the biggest deer of their lives. So, I, I know. What a power hour, right? That's right. We got like 605 inches of antler hitting the, <laughs> hitting the ground in one hour. That's so, nuts. pretty cool. Now, have you seen the episode yet, Coon? No. A little bits and pieces, but actually just to sit and watch it, no. Okay. So this is kind of exciting for you to finally get to re-experience that moment in this all its glory. Oh, definitely, because when you film it and you work at it and you try to do all your cutaways and you bring it to the studio and the editors put it together, that's what makes it special. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Coondog, one of the things that we love about him is he's an emotional guy. Like, not only is he the life of the party, he's fun, you know, and he's a great guy, he'll do anything for you, but he's also very emotional. So tonight, I assume... We're going to see some raw emotion from Coondog. I bet there was a lot of raw emotion that night you hit hit the deer. Oh, yes, there was. Yeah, what was the reaction like after oh. that one? I don't remember if we talked about this yet or not. Well, Was which, it raw? Uh, like raw, that so raw we couldn't air it. But I think they used just the tail just end a tail. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So of when it. you came down a little. Yes. Uh, other than that, I was pretty excited. Pretty excited. Like scale of 1 to 10, it was a 100. Oh, man. I do you have like the raw footage somewhere oh, we that got maybe it. I might be able to <laughs> oh, see we something? Got it. Yeah, yeah. You, as soon as we get done this, we will go show it to you. Uh, I it's can't in the wait. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. Well, it's understandable. I mean, you shoot a deer like that, I'd think just about anybody would be melting down. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it was just a, one of those thrills, you know, and just once in a lifetime. Really, they don't grow that often, that big, and no. And to see rare. one 
live on the hoof in the wild. I mean, have you ever up to that point seen a deer that big on, Never. on the hoof? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. If I just saw a deer like that, I would, it'd be an unbelievable, it'd be a once in a lifetime yeah. experience to see it. One time I saw when, when dad, the story, you know, goes when he was hunting, uh, Mr. Christmas and mm. was kind of a, yeah. a big storyline for several one. years and he missed him and, you know, he grew bigger and he was, a. I think once the, the neighbor killed him, he ended up going to something, two or five or really? whatever, or something, something like that. It was a big deer. Wow. Well, I had an encounter with him. I think it was the year before. So he was like in the eighties and it was, uh, I mean, and he was walking away very fast as <laughs> when I saw him. And that's the biggest deer I've ever seen ever, you know. And it was it's crazy just to think you are in the general proximity of oh, yeah. greatness there, you know. So the biggest buck you ever saw was a 180, 180 during the hunting season. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming the biggest buck you saw was the one you killed? Uh, no, I have harvested oh. a few, you know, 150s with Mark. Well, and stuff. But the, the biggest, the biggest oh, buck you've so. seen. Was probably that I probably see about one sixties, one seventies with to Mark. That point. Yeah, up to that up point. Up to that point. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. How about you? My the biggest buck I ever saw was probably a mid one eighties in Iowa in Velvet in the summer. Nice. And we were just out looking for bucks in the fields and this deer actually crossed the road in front of us. <laughs> and then started walking through the bean field and there happened to be a little like strip of timber between the road and the field. So I hopped out of the truck, stepped into the ditch with my video camera and then he walked parallel right along the side of the road in the bean field it's like a little dirt road in the middle of nowhere and that buck walked within like 40 yards of me mid 180s like six brow tines just insane it was it was really cool wow really cool watched him for 10 minutes just walking right by me i assume it wasn't land that you guys were you were just out no just driving around it was near property we could hunt um but we never never saw that buck or got pictures my biggest problem is i need a babysitter when i hunt to say don't shoot because <laughs> normally everybody knows me around here when they walk by me 130 ish 125 or they're gonna get it yeah <laughs> so can't blame you. well we were talking about i brought you up yesterday we were doing a podcast with nick munt and i actually mm. said because we were i think you asked nick about he's killed so many deer in so many states and big deer and how he kept his how he keeps his composure or whatever i said and we got to talking i said just some guys they just it's not about the size of the deer get just the moment always gets them excited and that's why i think people love a coon dog hunt so much because you always get so excited and it doesn't matter the score the size no. it's a deer's a deer's a deer to you and that's that's the beauty of it it's it, just pure passion back right? yeah back in the day when we used to you know during the awards or whatever we'd always have a choice of either hunting mark or terry's farm and i'd hunt with mark a lot and stuff and we'd sit there and whoo he had strict rules yeah, he's got strict rules. So Coon Dog was not. A, Mark would always be hunting with Coon Dog first of all. Yes, and that Mark Mark would make Coon Dog pass. You know, ten deer that are 140, 150 inches, and especially at that time, those would all be like oh, the biggest gosh. deer of your life. Oh right? yes, definitely. And and it's whether it was age structure or it was an up and comer or what. There was always a reason. Yeah. And there was always a good deer. I mean, he, you know, you killed oh. a couple 150 caliber deer there. Oh yes, there. definitely. Yeah, and that was what you, you know you waited, and sooner or later the shot presented itself, and Mark would give the green light, and whew. But that that waiting and oh. that anxiety almost makes it worse. Terrible. <laughs> One time I told Mark, I said, Mark, here, take the gun. Just let me know when I can shoot. Because <laughs> he go, big buck. Oh, never mind. That one needs to be shot with a bow. Oh, oh, I know that one. Yeah. And then finally I was like, okay. So it just wore me out. The, the one hunt you had missed, right? You had missed. Uh, uh, oh, the one where delivers. I shot it a little bit back. Okay. Reload, 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 reload. reload. And then, and then he, he 
he killed it. And, oh. and when that happened, it was super cold. I'll, I'll never forget the reaction because he like he slumps down oh, in the yeah, blind, yeah, and you yeah. see all this air come out of his mouth. It's just like that's, oh, I'm oh, stressed, man. That's that stressful. Oh, hunt with Mark just stresses you out anyway. Yeah, yeah. it is. He's, for for a guy that he's one of those guys that he has such an extreme passion, whether it's turkey hunting or deer hunting or whatever, or whatever the species, he gets so amped up. He has a way of freaking out the people hunting with him a little bit too. Uh, you know, not not Wade from a cameraman standpoint. Like Wade's pretty easy oh, yes. to kill. But like if you if if Mark was filming you, Mark's getting amped up so much that he's making you nervous. Yeah. You know, to, to pull the trigger. Oh, you yeah. know, and he's he's almost making the shot decisions for it. Like, <laughs> you know, he'll stop the deer, which I I, I don't think I would like because I, I mean, right? I, are you ready or not? Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. Yeah, he'll stop the deer, and then he'll tell you tell when to shoot. shoot. And, like, you you got to be ready. I, lo- I love it. He definitely manages the situation. He oh, yeah, manages yeah. every aspect of that farm and his herd to so the nth degree. When you got that, your finger on that trigger and you're squeezing and squeezing, he's going, wait, 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 wait. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I didn't what, shoot. What, what am I waiting yeah, for? And usually right there, it's yeah. just that, you know, he'll want the deer to raise his head up or whatever. Right, something case. perfect. Yeah. Get the shot. Yeah. He's, it's all about the video, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that's good, the, too. That's the beauty of it. So speaking about getting amped up. Do you have uh, anything you're amped up about yet this year? Any up-and-comers? Anything you heard about or got on trail camera? Well, or? yeah. Uh, of course, Jeb Baylor, I think I found a home. I think uh, he adopted <laughs> me. So I'm heading back down to Suspect Outfitting, and he has two or three super magnum deer. And being the friend that he is, he just said, Coondog, pick which one you want. Come open in weekend, and we'll get it killed. Wow. And that's where he killed his 205 yes. last year. So this is a brand-new outfitter yes. last year, last right? year was his first year. And he's just got some unbelievable ground there in Oklahoma. What part, what area, western, southern, What where, you know? Well, I would consider it's next to Ada, so it, it, the county's Allen. So I would almost say like an hour past Tulsa a little bit. So on the map, what section of the, the state? Mm, I would almost say... Shoot, I wouldn't even know which way it is. Well, have you we'll ever looked central. at a map? We'll say no, I just followed directions. We'll say central because he told me <laughs> yeah, near Tulsa, and I, I okay. think that's south central ish. Central. All right. yeah. It's north southwest ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's in right. Oklahoma. It's right there in the middle. It's yeah. in the, close, about 45 hour from Tulsa. So, yeah. Okay. So, Coon Dog, you know, the. You, you you don't own property, so you're either le- leasing or you're going to an outfitter or you're hunting with, you know, like in the past, you know, yes. Joe Schultz or somebody yes. like that. So uh, your strategy going into the fall, I think probably a lot of people can relate to that, you know, if you don't own your own ground, you know, trying to probably every year you're trying to come up with a new plan of where I'm going to hunt, you know. Definitely. And, uh, you know, with Jeb, you know, I uh, last year I learned a little bit and, you know, the land and what he had to offer so now this year i had some uh platforms built for the muddy blinds which is going to help us because last year you know how those does are you're sitting on the ground hunting and there's always one or two does that like to look in that blind and see you so i think this year with the elevated blinds and putting the muddy on them it's going to help us a lot more good so so good in a situation deal. like that it kind of sounds like you've got some control over the situation do you get to pick where you're hunting and do all that yourself or is that more control of the outfit situation nope i go down me and jeb put our heads together he lets me set up the blinds the stands whichever way we need to do uh of course oklahoma they don't get much water so he usually plants his fall plots like late august right around Mm -hmm. september so i'm going to haul all the biologic down we're going to get that you know put in we're going so it's kind of like my own place with him helping me manage it and stuff so 
Real nice I mean, situation. You know, yeah, Jeb really does a good job down there. That's awesome. Hey, that's the best deal where it's kind of like your place, but you don't have to pay for yeah. it. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> a pretty solid setup you got there. Yeah. That's so, a good setup. Yeah, that is. That's true. And uh, like I said, you know, and with friends, I got a place in Illinois working on and then uh, Ohio and then there's a place in Missouri. So there's some people reaching out to me that's called me and text me kind of like the same way and say, hey, got a spot to hunt. You interested? And we'll see what happens. Very good. Exciting. It's that time of year. It's that time of Lots year. Lots of excitement. All the potential. I almost like this. Now, of course, I love hunting season, but I love this time of year a lot, too, because like we are just filled with hope and <laughs> optimism. Like It's 100% optimism, right? I mean, right now, this is going to yeah. be the year. Yeah, yeah. We're all thinking that this I've is going to be the year. I've said that for awesome. several years now. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, everything's ahead of us. When you, when you talk to me again in October, I'll be yeah. like, Ugh. <laughs> things have been going so I well. I have seen a mature buck <laughs> but, but 20 right now, days. <laughs> right now, it is good. <laughs> right this is going to be the year. Gonna be I good. love the optimism. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, should we get to our question? Let's do it. Hi, my name is Nate. I'm from Fargo, North Dakota. My question is regarding hunting with kids. I have a 10 year old daughter who is interested in getting into bow hunting. She has come with me a couple times in a two man tree stand and does not like sitting in the stand. I'm wondering what your advice would be as far as ground blinds or building a elevated box blind, um, which would be the better way to go. I do not own land. I hunt on uh, land of friends and uh, farmers in the area. So what do you think about that one, Coon? Oh, most definitely I would move her out of a ladder stand and put her in a ground blind or a you know self-built shooting house or whichever you prefer uh that way it gives the kid more room to move around play on a cell phone safer safer definitely safer and comfortable out of the weather out of the elements you could sit longer and enjoy it you know talk more you just get away with more movement yeah i i when i actually got started hunting when i was just like three or four or whatever when i was just out there with my dad we had just self-built ground blinds and that was so nice because he'd bring me out there he just had me going. Like, I'd sit for a little bit, but then I'd just play with toys on the ground. And so I could handle a couple hours out there. I was playing and fiddling around, and he could be looking for deer. And I had a grand old time, and he had a good time. And, you know, that's a great way to get started, I think. Uh, you know, it's not a high-intensity situation like when you're in a tree stand and got to be still and got to be looking all the time. In some kind of blind seems to be a great way to start for kids. Yeah, well, you want to you want them to feel comfortable, right? So yeah. if if you have no idea and they're usually not very verbal about telling you if they're afraid of, you know, they're going with dad or going with, you know, somebody that's older, they don't want to seem like, oh, I can't do this. So yeah. usually they don't tell you. The the way they tell you is by not doing it again and not going again, True. right? True. So you want them to be comfortable. Uh I think the part about is the question was he didn't own the land. So when you're setting up, you know, if you're going to build a a shooting house or something like that, you just got to be really, you know, make the landowner aware, ask him first, make sure it's okay. Um, Usually they don't have an issue with it. If you're not messing up some of their ag, you know, or whatever, they usually don't have any kind of issue with you doing that type of stuff. Yeah. And, or use a pop-up line, which isn't going to make an impact. Um, Or if you want, you know, there's something to be said about an elevator blind. You can just see better. Yes. Um, and there are like trailers you can get or just buy an old trailer and mount a platform to it. And then you can 
throw your, you know, pull that onto the property somewhere yeah. easily, and pop throw your pop-up blind. blind on top, hunt out of it for a few days, and then you can take it home so yeah. the landowner doesn't feel like you're building this permanent structure. Yeah. It can be something you take in and out, um, but still get the benefits of, of that elevation, which is fun for kids. I think mm-hmm. you'll see more at a higher elevation. Um, so that's a little bit more involved, but it's a... Well, to his point a while ago, though, like all those does and stuff kind of peeking in to look inside those ground blinds, I mean, that does happen a lot. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to have a child with a lot of extra movement, you know, being elevated is a pretty solid right. idea and plan to have in place. And and the main thing, too, is that hunt is not really going to be about you. It's about the kid. Yeah. Let them run the show, have fun, because, yeah, it's it, your main goal is to go out there and harvest something, but... Big deal if you don't. You're spending time with your kid. What's yeah. more important than that? You yeah. know, if you sit there and talk and tell stories and laugh it up, I mean, that's worth its weight in gold. Who cares about a deer? Just spend time with your kids. Yeah, I know a lot of people mention bringing like a, a device with them so like it helps kind of uh, waste time if nothing's happening or whatever. I think that's that's all good as long as it's not taking away completely from the point yeah. of being there, you yeah. know, I mean, and I this is just a theory I have, but I, I'm kind of anti device for my kids and for, in it gets general. to be way too much. It's, I think it's too days. much. It's like, it's constantly in their face. It's at school. It's a, you know what I mean? All right. our friends, they usually have something. So like this, I, I get the point of that and the purpose of that, of bringing it to waste some time, but also, you know, you, you want to connect with them in, in some True. way. So that yeah. maybe there's a game, maybe there's something that you can figure out to where they're trying to spot a squirrel or yeah. trying to spot a bird, you know. Yep. And there's a way that they are interacting even when deer aren't moving. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really important point. So, right. It's, it's, it's all about making it a, a special experience for them. And it, to your point, it's a special experience for you too as a, as a parent or a mentor or a friend yeah. or whatever that is. And then that time you spend, even though it's not the greatest hunting, I think it does pay dividends down the road if you can introduce someone in this kind of way where they're actually enjoying it and not feeling like, oh, I got to go sit there and be perfectly still yeah. and dad's going to yell at me. And, yeah, right. You know, and then they're out of the picture yeah. as soon as they have a choice. But if you make it a fun thing like that, low, low pressure, just a good time to be out there, then they're going to you know, engage, start to like it maybe, and who knows where that goes. My funnest memories with dad from growing up and fondest memories were not the hunt because we never saw anything. We were hunting behind our house, 24 acres, and mm-hmm. we built. He built. My cousins used to call it the condo in the sky because it was it was big, but we never saw any deer. We didn't have any deer to see. Yeah, one or two every couple year, you know. And so it was. My favorite part was always the end of the hunt, going to get breakfast breakfast or because we it was just dad and I doing something and he was always gone so like that was experience together so it doesn't even always have to be about just the hunt maybe it's a tradition based in and around the hunt literally to this day that is still my my you know my most cherished thing to go do with him like during turkey season or if we're over at Tommy's you know or whatever like we get down let's go have breakfast like that's the funnest part to get to hang out with somebody right you know that's true like as i look back on my memories as a a little kid out there you're right i mean i've got a handful a couple little memories of being out actually in the woods yeah but most of the things i remember are back at deer camp you know seeing the guys hanging a deer on the buck pole or making chili dogs and everyone's sitting around the stove fire and and chatting or playing cards or just feeling like i was a part of the, the crew you know, I was like five years old and all these men are around me and just being able to be a part of that was like so cool and, uh, man, the best memories ever. Yeah. So I think that's another thing is as, as important as engaging, you know, letting these kids be a part of the hunt in the woods, let them be a part of the hunt outside of the woods too. You know, 
take them to camp with you. Take them to work on the food plots or hang your trail cameras. Uh, hang out with the guys or the girls or whoever it is out there. Make them a part of that. Both, I mean, the whole lifestyle. I think that's a great way to bring them into this, and, and they'll get a lot of it, out of it too. I certainly did. Yeah. And, and see, that's what's so weird, too, because I can sit here and say, hey, as I was growing up, yeah, I did a little squirrel hunting, a little rabbit hunting, but basically like the deer hunting and turkey I did on my own. But as I got owner and finally got affiliated with Drury Outdoors and Mark and Terry, I was the kid again. Hmm. I was learning. They were teaching me. Right. And, I mean, over the years, I've learned so much from both of those guys. It's just, you know, I was the kid growing up at an older age. Yeah. So when you take, because you've obviously, you've taken Alicia, your daughter, hunting a lot. And anybody that's watched our shows and our DVDs have seen her kind of, you know, grow up through time on, on the DVDs. What What kind of experiences do you guys share together well you know back in the day i brought her squirrel hunting you know she used to go with me sit out there we'd kill a few squirrels and we'd come back and she'd help me clean them and then i lost her for for her teenage years and her early 20s and you know just i lost her she was just like doing her own thing dance and school and stuff and then one day she said i think i want to try deer hunting that was the best question or best request ever and she wanted to go deer hunting i was like that yes i'm back i'm back she's gonna go oh my goodness but then you have an adult you know normally with a kid you can instruct them a little bit with alicia i'd say something she's like no what are you crazy you know but she's you know, telling you which deer to yeah she's so, gonna shoot. so finally she got with it and we started hunting and she hunted for like 10 years until her work got involved and then it kind of cut down a little bit but uh she did really well she got into deer hunting she got to the point where she wanted to pick and choose her own deer i tell her to shoot something she's like no too small so <laughs> sometimes i wonder if she's my kid <laughs> because i'd be like shoot it shoot it she'd go no okay she gets that from kathy yeah i guess so <laughs> no. anyway though that is the best thing when they come to you and say i want to hunt man you're like oh that's cool. That's so right. don't force them. Oh, no. Don't force it on them, right? No. When I lost her, I was just like, oh, well, you know, and then I'd show her pictures and stuff like that, or I'd come home with the deer. Yeah, oh, nice, whatever. <laughs> but then when she got into it, then she, she has deer mounted. You know, I think I, she has five or six deer heads mounted and stuff. So nice. she, she relives it. She, she enjoys it. That is something, though, like one of the things I worry about, you know, when I look forward to future parenting is what if my child doesn't like to hunt? Mm-hmm. What if they don't get into it? You know, that would be so... I don't want to say it'd be dis- it, would di- it would be disappointing, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to think less of my child, obviously, because of it. No. And I don't want to force them into it, but you certainly hope with so much that they're yeah. going to be passionate about it like you are. Do you stress? Do you think about that at all? Well, yeah. So kids? my approach is it comes from a different place, though, because I had never hunted without a camera mm, yeah. my whole life, literally. Never, ever. And Taylor neither. And so when I was going, you know, when I was in those teenage years – and getting into the teenage years and you're not really comfortable in your own skin, much less to be on camera like that really ruined it for me. I mean, it totally ruined it. It was a, it was a hobby that had turned into a business for dad. Well, all I ever saw was it was a business. So, um, I have always said internally to myself, I've always made this promise to myself that I will never ask my son or daughter, like I won't force it on them. If they want to go hunt, that's I'm going to make you know anything available to, for them to do. I hope he does. I hope I think he will. I mean, he loves right now. Even when I go to the lease and I can bring him when I do, like he's he's ate up with it. The one time I brought him up to dad's during turkey camp, ate up with it. I mean, like the tractors and that for a little boy. I mean, they're just in awe of all the things yeah. you know. So like, 
I think he'll be. I he's kind of my shadow. I think he's going to be into anything I'm into. Yeah. You know, and I was so thinking. Cool. I was thinking about it because I got a friend who's um, really into ice hockey, and he played it growing up. And he's a ref now, and he, it's kind of a side gig or whatever. And his son's my son's age, and you know they're two years old. And his son's way into hockey, you know. And I think my kid, he doesn't care about sports. He doesn't care about you know. But I'm thinking like that's what he's around, so that's yeah. what he's seeing. It's right. it's you know. So it's all about what you're exposing them to. So I think he's gonna enjoy it. I hope he does. But if he doesn't, like I'm not. I'm gonna try to make sure that I'm open to the fact that whatever he wants to do. I'm I'm gonna be available yeah. to do it with him. Has your dad ever expressed any thoughts on how he went about it with you? Maybe I, I think he has some anything? regret. I think yeah. he has some regret. Yeah, he's he doesn't get into it a lot, but he's talked about it a little bit. And looking back, he he knows he he just burnt me out. You know, we didn't. I didn't shoot anything till I was 15, and we started hunting. You know, back then you couldn't get your hunter safety until I, I maybe eight or I, I forget the age or whatever. But it, you know, like now they're starting these kids like five and six years old in this apprentice program and youth and all, hunting and all that. And we, we we waited a little bit longer till I started, but we hunted five five six years and I never shot. I mean, I would love to shoot a doe, and he would have loved to have me shoot a doe. We never we didn't have the property back then. You know what I mean? We didn't have the setup. And, I just never saw it. I never saw deer. And so as, as hard as we tried, that coupled with the camera, coupled with some really bad experiences where he had leases that then we get there and, and 50 people are on the dang thing, you know, that he didn't know we're Jeez. supposed to be. And, you know, so it just – it got to everything kind of culminated into the fact that I don't think I like hunting. <laughs> and, and then I killed my first deer with a bow. It was on the original Dream Season VHS tape, Dream Season 1. And that w- I was 15. And uh, it was a 125-inch buck. And at that time, I promised myself, okay, I showed you I can do this. I'm done. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and literally, I stopped and I didn't start again until, hell, I had worked here for two years outside of college before I actually started hunting again. So it was a 10-year break. I mean, yeah. close to a 10-year hiatus. And But when I came back to it, it was because I was ready. Yeah. And now I love it. I absolutely love it. I think about it all the time. Yeah. But it's because I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's a really good kind of parable for yeah. a lot of us parents or future parents to – to remember not to force things, not to make it too serious, not to make it about you. Yeah, anything. Yeah, sports. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. all these parents that are nuts about yeah, sports. They live through their kids yeah. and try to like reclaim their past glory, yeah. or achieve the glory they never did through their children. Yeah. And I think that's a I, no. What do I know? I'm not. Parent, yeah, but it seems like that's a mistake. It is. <laughs> so, but it's hard to do. You get wrapped up into it, right? You want the best for your kid. Mm-hmm. You want them to succeed in whatever they do. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. So. So, Coondog, have you you've hunt you've taken other kids, people that you're not related to, and like you've taken youth hunting. Oh, definitely. Certain like turkey hunting and stuff like that. Like, what are some of the things when you're taking a kid that's never met you before? Like, there's probably a little bit of a wall to break down there before you go out. What are some oh, experiences? You've had I mean, there? just get with them. You talk with them. You joke with them. You make it fun. You laugh. You know, and it's just, and it seems what's so weird. If you can get these kids just a little bit away from their parents, they kind of, like, break loose a little bit. It's like, oh, I don't have to behave. Right. (laughs) Don't behave. We're here to have fun. This is going to be fun. And, you know, you you just try to make it the best best you can with them, you know. And, of course, you want to make sure there's game somewhere. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing is do not – 
put a size limit on the deer. Yeah. If let them or your or the girls or the wives, whoever, first time hunting, let them shoot whatever they want. I hate to see these. Oh, that's not big enough or whatever. Let them just kill it. I mean, have a good time. Because that's, that's what hooks them, right? Oh, that, experience. that experience. You know, whether it's a Jake or, you know, it don't have to be a full-size gobbler. If Jake comes in there, you ask them, you want to shoot it? Or, you know, a lot of times I'll go before we go out, I'll ask the parents, hey, is it okay if they shoot a Jake or whatever? And they're like, whatever he wants to shoot. I go, oh, that's the green light there, you know. But <laughs> you know how the Jakes are. They always come in. So, you know, just let them have a good time. Let them harvest it. Be safe, you know. Make sure they're tar- You explain everything to them while the hunt's going on, of course. But, uh, yeah, you just want them to have a good time and harvest whatever they want. Yeah. I um, I had one of – it was a very cool experience for me. At least I took my nephew out this spring turkey hunting for the first time. And he was 12, I think, at the time and hadn't hunted at all. Um, and it was just so cool to see that we, – we didn't get to shoot anything. But just to see his excitement, we, we went out there and, hey, whatever you want to shoot, you know – this is your hunt this is your opportunity your experience we're just gonna have fun with it and to see though that fever get going in oh. when we had one goblin and coming in like at one point we're sitting over this little old food plot of mine and then there's a little fence row and then a big cornfield on the other side of it and a, several gobblers are coming down on the cornfield side so the other side of the fence row from us they're coming in and it sounds like he's now he's right next to us he's about to cross through the fence row to come into our little opening so I'm like, all right, Elliot, get ready, get your gun up. So he's got his gun up and he's waiting. I'm like, all right, no, just don't move until he, until he comes in. He's, he's doing a good job. And I kind of look over there every once in a while and the gobbler's gobbling, hammer, 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 just going off the chain. And I look over at Elliot and you can just see him, just the gun shaking. <laughs> his, he's shaking and just like he's breathing heavy. And I was like, yes, like he's, he's, he's feeling it. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty cool. And then after that, he's like, hey, can I spend the night again and go tomorrow morning? I was like, all right. Yeah. Now we, uh, I, I bet turkey hunting is probably one of the best ways because it's so oh, vocal and it's such a engaging. Engaging. Like, yeah, that's it's right. It's happening. You're moving. You're. It's not a sit there, sit still kind of thing. Yeah. So it seems still to this day, turkey hunting is my absolute favorite. Thing oh, to definitely. Do. I think it's a great way to get kids in small game, other small yes. games too. I think rabbit, other, squirrel. Because deer hunting can be tough sometimes. Yeah. It can be. Especially, also can be cold. Yeah. Um, so I think good weather, you know, make it, a, make it an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Don't put them out there in 20 degrees and sleep. Yeah. You might, whatever. the same conditions that you feel like would be conducive to a deer moving, it would be the similar ones that, you know, high pressure, uh, you know, things like that, where you think you're going to see a lot of game. Yeah. Cause that's another for deer hunting, sitting over a food plot instead of a timber set where it's hard, you know, to kind of see everything like food plot, if you know, they're coming out an afternoon hunt, they didn't have to get up early. I mean, those, that would be kind of a no brainer hunt, right? For sure. See that, that touches something too, because, uh, I took some girls hunting before some, you know, some females and once the deer was in front of them, they couldn't pull the trigger. Mm, Yeah. Come to find out their parents never did with the small game. If they can shoot a little rabbit or they can shoot a squirrel, they'll be able to shoot a deer. Yeah. But it just, they were just so. So they had no practice up to that point. No practice up to that point. So they really didn't know if they could pull the trigger or mm-hmm. not because you're taking something's life. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So it's, it's hard on I've, a kid. I've yeah. heard the same thing even from my wife. Like when I've talked about taking her out hunting, she has, she can't, she can't bring herself to shoot a deer. Mine as it's well. It's big. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, they're charismatic. It's easier, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. it just for whatever reason, it seems easier for people to shoot a squirrel or a yeah. turkey. Like she's like, I'll shoot a turkey. Yeah, I just don't know about ugly. deer. They're ugly. Yeah, because <laughs> they're ugly. They always say that. I, I think don't they're think beautiful. they're ugly. I think they're beautiful too. <laughs> yes. But um, but I mean, it's a great point. I think if you can get them started with something, just to get over that hump. Because to your point, taking a life. I mean, that is a very serious yeah, thing. Definitely, it's, it's not something to take heavy. lightly. It's, it's heavy. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing. It's heavy. It should yeah. be heavy. Yeah, but you need to kind of 
ease people into that. And yep. that I think putting them out there for the first time and having a great big deer in front of you, that's kind of really jumping off the cliff, right? Well, and I think you're probably doing a disservice to the the person that you're introducing into the sport if you're not kind of teaching them along the way mm-hmm. and, and teaching them about that heavy moment. And mm-hmm. there might be a little not necessarily remorse, but there's a, you know, a pause there. There should that, be some emotion. Yeah, something. there's emotion of some sort there. Yeah. Everybody, it's different. So yeah. You know, it just goes to show you how everybody's different because you can throw people in there that's never ever hunted, picked up a gun before, and they're just natural-born killers. Boy. Yeah. They yeah. can just flat do it. Yep. Yep, everyone, you're right. Everyone's different. I don't know. I uh, I don't know when it'll happen for me, but whatever it does, I'm going to be very excited to take some take my kids out hunting, and uh, that's like something I, I for a long time, I was like, I don't want kids for a long time. I'm too having too much fun myself. But it's like when I see other people taking their children yeah. out and, oh, yeah. and seeing their kids get excited about this stuff, that's the number one thing that just gets me fired up. Like, I can't wait to share these things I'm so passionate about with my you know, right. my little man or little daughter yeah. or whatever it's And that's be. the thing. Like, their reactions, oh, Ooh, buddy. <laughs> like, it's just like, Dad, you know, and they, you hear that, Dad, Dad, you know. Everything right now, my son's like, Hey, Dad, you know, it's like, hey, Dad, did you see that tractor? We're going down the road. Hey, Dad, excavator. He's two. You know, it's like, yeah, bud, yeah, bud. And my wife's not, like, like invisible. To him. Like, hey, hey, Dad, uh, you know, a, a backhoe. I'm like, okay, awesome. Right. This, Good is, spot. this is great. So yeah, you'll sounds, love it. That's for sure. That sounds pretty awesome. That's awesome. I don't know. Any other, any other advice when it comes to this whole deal? Well, if you when you take your child hunting in a blind or whatever, don't forget the snack bag. Mm. Yeah, that's you a good one. Gotta have a snack bag. Yeah. Good call. For me, as a child, it was always the little mini Snickers bars. That's what I always had, and that was key. Yeah, for me. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, loud. Yeah. It was for, loud. For me, Dad and I would always stop at the gas station, and he like Dad's this kind of guy like he would never stop or get something for himself to eat ever. But like if it's there, he's he yeah. knows he's little a, piglet. Little piglet's what he calls them. <laughs> yeah. So I would always get. Oh, well, I started by getting one water, one beef jerky, you know, and I have it in my pack. And then I'd open it up, and he'd always want me to split the beef jerky. So I'd start getting two beef turkeys, two waters, taking care of him, you know. But a snack is key. Yep, I agree. We also have this other thing, maple. Oh, gosh. Like, you ever see these things? They're like kind of maple candies that they sell in bulk at the grocery store. You get a bag of them. I mean, it's almost like a maple nougat thing with, like, some nuts inside of it. Oh. Weird. But, <laughs> but as the a description kid, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maple really, 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 really sold that one. <laughs> Nutty. But I remember this strange candy that my dad used to get when I was a little kid. That <laughs> For, for some reason, stuck with me. So. Lisa wasn't a stranger giving you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. True. That's true. <laughs> Joe right. and I, Joe and I hunted uh, Kansas one year, and it was ninety, hundred degrees. It was just terrible for deer movement. They didn't move until the last half hour of light. So every evening before we went to the blind, Joe and I would stop at a gas station. We'd get popcorn. We'd get chips. We'd get soda. We'd just have bags of food, <laughs> and we'd sit there and eat for two hours before the deer came out. You know, <laughs> sounds great. But it was just, yeah, something. Might to do, as well you know? enjoy yourself. Oh, it was terrible though. Yeah. Hot. Oh. Well, the the hunting with a, a, a whether it's a kid, a wife, a girlfriend, or a camera person, like hunting with someone else. If you've not really done it, some people are just like, man, this is my time. I don't want to hunt with anybody else. But once you've done it, like it's a pretty enjoyable experience. Oh. Like, I, of course, I've never not hunted with somebody, so I don't know what the other way is like. But I, I mean, I really look forward to the time in the tree or the blind with them That's as right. much as I do just sitting there. I mean, it's 
it's a bonding experience, right? Right. right. So I'll say though that the converse of that always worries me when I'm thinking about like someone who hasn't hunted me before and like, yeah. uh, can I be, can I film you? Can I be a cameraman or whatever? And I always worry like, Oh, if they couldn't get a shot. Well, well, I'm not even that, although that's important, but I'm more concerned about, is it going to be fun? Do yeah. I really want to spend all that time with this person yeah. or is, are we going to jive in the tree yeah. stand or with how we're approaching, preparing for the hunt and all that kind yeah. of stuff that obviously not related to hunting with kids or anything, but, but that's when it's like when you're your own thing and I know I can control my own situation when it's me hunting and then you're adding a second guy. What's that? Have be? you ever experienced it where you didn't have a good time with that second person? I have not had a bad experience yet, but that's because I've been very, very picky Select. about who I take. Well, like I've only ever taken like close friends that yeah, I already know. I'll say this, like in, in our situation where we also film, which I don't do as much as that, of that as I used to, um, to be hundred percent honest, but you know, like Coondog, you'll be filming someone else or, you know, back in the day I would film other people, uh, far jury outdoors. Right. Like you kind of get thrown in situations and I'll, I'll say like, I've never had a bad experience with someone ever. That's good. Right. I, I, I mean, everybody, I, you know, women, uh, other, you know, just uh, industry people that I didn't know until they got to camp and you've probably got to experience that through Turkey camp a ton with us, but I've never really had that issue with anybody that i've hunted with where it's like you just didn't have any chemistry because right. you always oh, yeah. find some always common something. ground yep you get, whether it's sports or anything you know your kids or your family or your work there's always something to talk about yeah yeah so so it's a good time well shall we we shall, shall. We? all right well coon dog as always thank you so much for joining us well i appreciate the offer i love coming here it's fun a lot of fun a lot we'll of fun. have to get I you look- what were you going to say? I was, was going to say, I look forward to seeing what he's going to do this fall. Exactly. We're going to have to get you back on this fall after you kill another giant and tell us all about it. I hope. Fingers crossed. The beauty of Coondog, that he killed a 205, a 163, and then probably a 120. Yeah, well, a couple of 120s. <laughs> yeah, like, man. there is no safe animal out there. <laughs> His standards didn't just down. go way up here because he killed one awesome deer. He, no. They're still, he's still the same genuine he's coon the, dog he's he the always ever was. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, and, you know, and that's what I'm saying. You know, that was a once-in-a-lifetime that I'll cherish forever. But if I would harvest 120, 130-inch deer, it's the same thing. I'll cherish them just as much. That's awesome. That's awesome. As it should be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, well. Good times on this one, and uh, I guess we'll just leave our listeners and viewers with our usual quick couple of reminders. If you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, you can go to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. You'll see instructions exactly for how to do that, and then you can subscribe to the audio version on the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play app, or Stitcher. Very easy. Get that podcast right on your phone whenever you want it. As always, you can follow the video version of this podcast at the Jury Outdoors YouTube channel. And while you're there, check out all the new DOD TV episodes. It's replacing our DVDs. I think you'll enjoy it. A lot of original hunts and a lot of killing in the kitchens from Taylor, getting some of those tasty wild game recipes. So check that out. And as always, you can follow along with us on social at Drury Outdoors. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching.